This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, it's great to be with us. This is our first show since the big announcement. The big announcement. Uh, and, of course, that announcement was, of course, that uh, Benghazi was nothing. Oh, the other big announcement is what I'm talking about. The other big announcement, of course, is the Obama uh, immigration announcement. Now, David, one of the big lies that you've heard about that announcement, and I, I know you're hard-pressed to believe there's a big lie involving with Obama, uh, is that he issued an executive order. He didn't. There's no executive order. I know you go, what? Yes, there is. No, there's no executive order. There are eight, I believe eight, possibly 11 memos from Jay Johnson, Homeland Security Secretary, to the people at Homeland Security. That's it. There's no Obama executive order. Uh, and, uh, you know, you hear about the people in Congress, oh, my gosh, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, he, he outsmarted you. Uh, but we should not, we should have seen that because he did the exact same thing on the DACA thing. He didn't issue an executive order on DACA. He, it was Janet Napolitano, your favorite Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, who issued that memo on DACA. Uh, and, I, I mean, obviously he must have approved the memo. Nothing's going to get done by Jay Johnson. But what we heard and uh, from different reports is Jay Johnson actually wrote most of those memos personally. Where does this put – Put this legally. Well, it puts it well within the realm of the it Homeland Security's fun. authority to interpret regulations, which they're obviously entitled to do. It, it, basically speaking, in layman's terms, and I am mucho layman, um, it would be like if you were the city uh, attorney, mm -hmm. but you also had your private practice, you go back to your private practice and you issue uh, an order that uh, instead of opening at 8 o'clock, we're going to start opening at 7.55. Yeah. I mean, this, this is, these are really so, administrative yeah, changes. It has nothing to do with the Constitution. No, it really no, no. has nothing to do with no, anything. No, there's nothing unconstitutional about any of this stuff. Um, he just uh, did it. He just did it. He's allowed to. You, you give him authority. When you, when you sustain that in Congress, the head of Homeland Security, um, and uh, you tell you, here's here's the law, which we've wrote intentionally vaguely. Here is what we've asked you to do as Secretary of Homeland Security, Attorney General, Secretary of the Department of Labor. So we ask you to do, go go forward and serve. Go do it. Make 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 that into law. Why, you know, people complain about regulations all the time. David, all regulations are are an interpretation of the law. And yes, the regulations are larger than the law, typically, because the law, by our friends in Congress, is typically so intentionally vague to make it do what they think it should do, but can't have the courage to actually put into a regulation. Now, what this may mean in the future, should there ever again be a Republican president, which is looking less and less likely, given the rhetoric from the, from the GOP, um, they can pass whatever law they want. That's very specific on immigration, social security, tax, etc. Uh, but what Homeland Security has done is no different than what the IRS does so, in issuing policy decisions based upon the law. Why are they all yelling, them being the GOP basically, mm -hmm. that he's broken the law? Because they don't understand. How could, wait a second, David. You, you, you can, believe, wait a you believe that understand? politicians actually understand the law? No, but my dog, my dog Frida does. <laughs> Don't I mean, pee on the carpet. That's the law. Uh, most politicians have no idea how immigration law works, none whatsoever. And when they see the president changing policy 
from what has been established policy for 20, 30, 40 years, they immediately cry, oh, my gosh, he's abusing his authority. He's, he's a treason. Impeach him. You know, that happens sometimes. Presidents get to change the rules on the invitation law. They don't get to change Now, I know he said, I've changed the law. What do you want? Okay. Well, the reality, what do you mean by the law? The law itself is written by Congress. He can't change. But he can certainly change the implementation of the law. He can, which he's done many times, you know, in Obamacare. Um, and uh, he can also very easily interpret regulations or interpret the law and say that's not what that law says. And that's all he's done. Is there and any I thought way in a very can, modest way in many ways. Is there any way this can, can come back and bite him in the butt? No. No, this is not going to bite Obama in the butt. First of all, he's only got two years left. Who cares about his butt? All right. The reality is he had nothing to lose by doing this. Nothing at all. Uh, think about it. Remember the lunch that Boehner and McConnell had with Obama right about Friday after the election or Monday after the election, something like that? What was the result of that lunch? They don't agree on anything, right? Uh, and specifically Boehner, because Obama has asked, apparently has asked Boehner every time he has seen him since the summer, which is a number of times, believe it or not, where we're in immigration. And Boehner's like, well, you just need more time. We just need more time. You're not Mr. President. We just need more time. And this time he said, you know, we're not going to be able to do that. We're, we, we have no intention of bringing immigration up for a vote during this blame duck session or next year. And, in fact, McConnell and Boehner came out and said, here's our list of priorities. Right? You might have seen the list of priorities, right? Was immigration on that list? No. So an issue that was very important to the president, which Boehner had promised Obama he would get something up for a vote in this session, and he didn't do, what does Obama have to lose? I mean, really, he's not going to get anything passed in the next Congress that he likes. Nothing. So what does he have to lose? He literally had nothing to lose. What they're, you know what they're really angry about? Is they didn't see this coming. He, and he, the thing is, he was telling them, you know, I'm going to issue an executive order. I'm, I've got a pen. I've got a phone. I'm going to do it. Hey, I'm going to do it. If you don't do this, by the way, I'm going to – did I remind you that I'm going to do this? Oh, you didn't do it. Here it is. Uh, more power to him. He's got to be the president. The modern presidency, David, is not the presidency of George Washington. Okay, the modern presidency, as established going back to the time of Truman, uh, perhaps even the Roosevelt, is a much different presidency than that perhaps thought of by our founders. Obama's not doing anything that other presidents have not. Uh, is it a grander scale? Absolutely. I mean, no president has, has given work permission to 4 million undocumented people uh, and said, no, you're not a priority for deportation, but... Neither has any president faced this problem and decided what they're going to do. Could Bush have done this? Sure, George Bush could have done this. But he elected not to, you know, because why? Well, he had a Republican Congress. And the Republican Congress said, you know, we're not really going to help you on this. There's nothing going to go, you're not going to go anywhere. Uh, but, yeah, this is uh, certainly a ground-shaking, but I see nothing in this that com comes and uh, bites, uh, bites Obama in the butt. At all. Uh, in effect, uh, now, you know who it might bite, bite in the butt, though? Uh, you have heard, perhaps, that uh, Chuck Hagel has resigned as, as your Secretary of Defense. A monumentally bad choice to start with, in my humble opinion. I don't think he was ever qualified for that job, despite him felt being a war hero in some, in some respects. Um, but you know who they're thinking of talking about now, nominating? Jay Johnson, the Secretary of Homeland Security, who's only been Homeland Security Secretary for like a year or two. Um, but obviously, the man is—he's a former Pentagon guy. I mean, that's he. Jay Johnson came into Homeland Security knowing nothing, zero about immigration law, zero. Uh, and the word is that he actually went out 
and really was the one that kind of put uh, put all this together, put all these memos together on immigration reform. Uh, and um, the, the, these these things, these changes that Obama announced. I don't know. Did you see his speech, by the way? Yes. Yes. I thought it actually was a pretty good speech. Even you're saying it wasn't a bad speech, okay? Even you're you're not saying it, but I could tell. Well, it wasn't a bad speech, especially from Obama, a man I, you personally you know, can't stand. So I'll be the first to admit that Obama, generally speaking, gives pretty good yeah, speeches. Teleprompter. As, as teleprompter. long as he's got the teleprompter. Yeah, I agree. But it was, but nonetheless, but, it was a well-written, a well-done speech. But then again, you pull back and say, what did he just say? Well, exactly. And basically, what he said was, Congress hasn't acted. I'm allowed to act within certain parameters. Like he didn't go, you know, so he didn't he didn't give anybody green cards. Nobody's getting citizenship. Nobody can vote. Nobody can get welfare. Literally, what did he do? He said, we're going to suspend the deportation process of people that we could technically deport, at least in some contexts, although it would be very expensive and very hard, in favor of focusing on those people we want to deport from the United States. Um, and, and because we only, only have, because Congress has only given us X dollars. And this is only for two years, correct? It's only, well, it's only while he's president. The work permits themselves will be good for three years, uh, but it's only while he's president. If Obviously, if, if a member of the GOP comes in and becomes president, Homeland Security, because they were not going to, you know, these, these are out the door. Everybody that uh, got a work permit, we're not going to extend it. Uh, and, you know, we may come after you. Although, again. It's all about money. Congress is not going to allocate the you know quarter of a trillion dollars necessary to deport everybody at one time, nor could our economy sustain such a departure of so many people uh, from the United States at a time. Uh, so he, I think what Obama really did here was recognize political reality. I'm not going to get anything done in the next two years that I like. I am the president. I have authority given to me by Congress and by the Constitution to the enforce the laws in the ways I see fit, balancing the fiscal responsibility, fiscal needs that I have. Uh, and I think it's in America's best interest. I think it's in um, his own personal interest. Now, understand, Obama is no true believer on immigration. Let's not kid ourselves. This was a purely political act on his part. I mean, he isn't out there saying, you know, kumbaya to immigrants, let's do it. You know, he did this purely politically. Uh, and uh, But at the end of the day, he will benefit from this. In fact, today's poll says Obama is up 14 points with Latinos. But here's the interesting poll. Uh, last Friday, uh, or I guess, I guess last Wednesday before Thanksgiving, CNN did a poll uh, with, I forget, some other big pollster firm, but, you know, a legitimate poll. Um, do you favor what Obama did in giving work permits to this class of people? This was interesting. 23. Four percent said no. It's terrible. It's the worst thing in the world. The man's Satan. He's 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 going to be tried for treason. Twenty-four percent said, yeah, really like it. Great thing. Should have gone further, but good thing. Fifty percent said, I like it, but I don't like how he did it. So we have seventy-six percent of the people saying, I like it. Most saying, I don't like how he did it. But here's the reality: was it ever going to happen anyway? Is, was Congress? You know, we've talked many for years about immigration reform on this show. The reality is there is no immigration reform coming out of a GOP Congress. Anything that looks like immigration reform as it should be. 
Are they going to pass bills to increase enforcement? Yeah. Is there any upside to that? No. There's no upside to that. Uh, and and real and I think they're not going to actually get it through the Senate anyway. The Senate's going to filibuster anything that doesn't have a benefit side to it. Um, so there's nothing that's going to come out of this Congress anyway. And he's not going to sign anything. And he wouldn't sign it unless it had beneficial stuff in it. He's not going to sign an enforcement-only bill because he doesn't have to. Okay, you don't like it? Great. And now he's forcing Bush to run against, because Jeb came out yesterday and said, I don't support what Obama did. I support immigration reform, but I don't support Obama did. Well, because he has to. He has to say that. Um, but you don't think a Republican president wouldn't use executive authority as broadly as he possibly could? I, I have two words well, to say about that, George Bush. Precedents have been set, and any president precedent that has been set is going to be expanded by the next oh, absolutely. person. Uh, and Congress, unfortunately, is not... You know, the, the, the problem is there are Republicans in Congress that applaud this secretly. Secretly. I've talked to some friends secretly who applaud this. They can't come out and say it, but you know what it's done? It's taken pressure off of them. Uh, and, 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 and Boehner was so angry, and McConnell was so angry, because they just didn't see it coming. And they had no response. They, I, it was hilarious. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't one word cover that? Stupid. Yeah, I agree. And a great word to end our break on here, and first break here on, on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's web radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. It's great to be back, David. It's a beautiful day here in the South, especially since it was so cold last week. And we really haven't had a chance to go into detail on the different aspects of the uh, Obama administration's immigration change. Because all you ever heard about, all you've heard about is they're going to get work permits to people. That's what you've heard, right? I mean, you probably haven't heard much of it. You know, you saw the speech. Well, no, the it, was latest like, thing, it was like a 35,000-foot view. The latest thing is uh, coming out with some states are going to give them medical uh, care as well. Well, uh, that's up to the states. I mean, yeah. states can run their exchanges however they want to. Uh, but they're not entitled to – undocumented immigrants cannot get Obamacare, period. Now, there was this great article I saw in Daily Caller. I love the Daily Caller because – it is the art of misrepresentation carried to the highest level. Uh, take an article, not written by them, typically, and it, Drudge does this all the time, too, and then puts his own title on it uh, as he sees it from their worldview. So their worldview was it's now Obama has provided cheap labor for business. 
because every business that hires any legal alien gets a $3,000 bonus. That's, that's terrible. Why would Obama do that? It's terrible. So here, here's apparently, and I don't understand this completely, and so I'm making fun of it you know, kind of in the dark a little bit. But apparently, since, since undocumented immigrants cannot get Obamacare, even if they have a work permit, okay, from Obama, so they can't be Obamacare, um, apparently businesses get some sort of tax credit for people uh, regardless of whether they enroll in Obamacare or not. So somehow there's a benefit, an increased benefit of $3,000 to businesses for hiring undocumented workers over U.S. workers because of this Obamacare thing. Now, I thought you would, you're an expert in Obamacare. I thought you, maybe you'd understand this. It was a little vague. But you're reading the article, it's like, oh, you know, really, I don't, I, don't think it, I don't think it says that. I mean, I think it does something like that, but I, I think you're making it out to be a little worse than it actually, it actually is. Um, but think about this. So many people are already working, right? The, these people that are getting work permits... Do they have no job? Of course they have a job. They're living in America. You cannot live in America and not have a job. You can't. Well, some certain people can. I know you're right. Yeah, there are people that do that. But most immigrants aren't going to be like that. They're, they're, they want to work. They, and they can't get welfare anyone. They can't get food stamps. They can't get WIC. Their kids can, but they can. That's not enough to run a family on. So they work. You know, they might work cleaning, the, cleaning your, you know, somebody cleans this building every night. I mean, and it's probably not Americans, probably an immigrant. Uh, somebody works in the, you know, the back room of the diner. Somebody works in the, uh, uh, at the McDonald's. Somebody works uh, at the car wash. I mean, there's, most of those jobs are immigrants for the most part here in, here in Metro Atlanta. Not all over the country, but here in Atlanta. And, and they're working. So what's this going to do? This is going to give them a work permit. So one, they can work legally. Two, they can pay taxes to the correct tax accounts, which they will not get benefits for, by the way. Uh, and uh, three, it will change the way they perceive themselves. I have now met David with thousands of people since this announcement came out in different forms. Uh, and the hope I see in people's eyes is remarkable. Now, I see, I see desperation, too, for people that aren't covered. It's very sad for those that aren't covered. But for those people who are covered under the Obama, uh, uh, the Jay Johnson memos, uh, this is a life-changing thing. This will enable them to live without fear. To, to drive without fear, to know that they're going to come home at night to see their kids and they leave in the morning. That's a remarkable difference. But let's talk about some of the details of this thing. You know, what is it? Now, you heard that Obama is going to allow people that arrived here before January 1, 2010, who have been here continuously since then. Now, one thing, does it matter how you got here? No. Does it matter how you got here? Does it matter that you have been ordered deported, worth deported, and returned? No. Doesn't matter. So you have to be physically present. That's the requirement in Jan by January 1, 2010. You must have been continuously present since. So if you were deported after and came back, you don't qualify. If you're out of the country, you don't qualify. Two, you must be physically in the country on the 20, 20th of November. So you must be physically in that, in that continuous period. Three, you must have had children before November 20th who were permanent residents or citizens. doesn't matter how old your kids are. All right, so I've got a couple, for example, at church. Their son's like 25. He's got a green card through marriage. They're going to be able to qualify. So it's not a minor child, but it's a child who has a green card through marriage. It did come when he was younger. Uh, and four, you must, be, you must not have committed any of serious offense. Traffic violations are excluded specifically, but, not, but we don't know all the details. But typically a DUI is going to exclude you. 
typically. Uh, they certainly does from DACA. Any any felony uh, conviction will certainly exclude you. Uh, several misdemeanor convictions will probably exclude you. Drug convictions will absolutely exclude you. Uh, so really, when you, when you look at the universe of people that might qualify for this, uh, the administration estimated it at somewhere in the neighborhood of three to four million people. <clears throat> but those three to four million people are going to have disqualifying factors. Some have left and come back. Some have criminal convictions that maybe weren't reported, weren't reported to the authority, but we're going to bar them. Some of them have DUIs, for example. The DUI could be 30 years old, 20 years old. It's going to bar you if, if that becomes a bar. Um, so what we have is probably a universe of maybe two to two and a half million people that are going to qualify for this relief. Um, and then we have to ask, well, how many are going to apply? How many are going to apply? I think that's the question. And also, I have a question. I'm not qualified, but I come in and apply, find out that my DUI or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that makes me deportable, right? right you're so, And now they've got my information that I live at so-and-so right. and myself. The question is, will they come after you? Yeah. Probably not. Uh, if we use DACA as a guide... Uh, now, of course, we wouldn't file for somebody with, with a DUI unless we were convinced they were going to be approved. Um, but the idea that you can be picked up afterwards is, in theory, a great idea. But if, you're only, if you've been here for 20 years and you've got four U.S. citizen kids and you've got a 16-year-old DUI, do you, are you a priority? Are they going to come looking for you? No. They're just not. They're just not. And the other th the question I hear, David, what, what happens after Obama's gone? Let's say there's a GOP guy. What are going to happen to those people? Well, let's say there's... Two million people that apply for this, as an example. Uh, does ICE have enough agents to go out and arrest two million people? They can't even pick up the people that are in jails. How are they going to arrest two million people who really are really, in, 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 for many people, not a, not, not a priority for deportation? So they're not somebody we want to kick out of the country. Their kids are here. We don't want to destroy families. Uh, Obama, of course, oh, and the last requirement, of course, is you had to be illegal. You had to be undocumented as of the 20th. So you could have come in legally and overstayed, but as of the 20th of November, you had to be undocumented. Uh, what if you weren't? Well, then you don't qualify. Okay, everybody, and I can broad brush, says this is aimed at Mexicans. What percentage is it? 80%? Yes, that's I, I true. I think the last or numbers I saw of undocumented people in the U.S. is something like, Anywhere from 40 to 60% are, are Mexican nationals, uh, which makes sense. That's where most of our undocumented immigration has come from, although not for the last five years. The last five years, it's those numbers, these are older numbers that people that have covered. If you look at the last five years, you're going to see a much lower percentage of Mexicans here because not that many have come. You'll see a lot more Central Americans, a lot more uh, Africans, a lot more uh, East Eastern Europeans, uh, a lot more... Uh, East Asians, a lot more Chinese uh, in the United States, uh, undocumented than you would anybody else. Just, just one more thing that we haven't heard on your uh, national media is that it's only forty-eight percent as compared to. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, that I mean, it's, if you talk to the local or the person walking down the yeah. street, well, it's all Mexicans. No, it's just not true. I mean, I mean, the numbers we're looking at. I think if we see two to two and a half million people apply for this, it'll be an act of God. Look at DACA. 1.8. Obama initially said 1.8 million were eligible. Now he's saying 1.2 million were eligible. But only 700,000 have applied. So 
So either just over a half or just under over a third have applied. If those same numbers hold true, why? Because of proof. You've got to prove you were here. So you've got to prove you were here since 2010. If you're on document, what typically don't you have? Documents. <laughs> you don't have the proof that you were here. So a lot of people won't apply because they don't have proof. Some people won't apply because of the money, although the money's not a big deal. It's going to be $465 to apply for it, the work permit that's good for three years, plus the lawyer fees in the case. Most lawyers aren't charging anything yet because we don't know what to charge. I know there are some lawyers out there, perhaps less than scrupulous, who are charging fees now. Uh, but the reality is we don't really know what to charge because we don't know what the process is going to be. Uh, we think we know, but we really don't know for sure. So that was item one. Okay, that's the big one. That's that's the 900-pound group. But there's, a lot, there's other things here. Uh, the next thing, he took DACA. The, that's the child benefit, the deferred action for child arrivals. By the way, the parent thing for parents, it's called DAPA. DAPA and DACA. Uh, so you can call them DAPistas and DACistas, like a barista at, uh, at, at Starbucks. So DACA has been changed. So instead of having to have been here before 2007, you had to have been here before January 1, 2010. Still had to be under 16 when you came in. You still have to have been, uh, been in high school or have a GED or be enrolled in classes. Still have to be a person of good moral character. Okay, so you can't have convictions. DUI set you out or things like that. So that they estimate that 300,000 additional people will be eligible for. I don't think so. I think maybe 100,000, maybe 150. Uh, I don't see the numbers as being that big. Uh, so this is really only accounting for. In some ways, less than 25% of the undocumented immigrants in America are benefit from this. I have sat in these seminars, David, and talked to people who come in, and it's mom and dad, and their three kids, none of whom were born here, but all of whom have DACA. I'm sorry, you get nothing. You should have had a baby here. But responsibly, they decide not to have any more kids. What about the people who don't have, couldn't have kids? They physically couldn't have kids. Well, they said, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm, I'm undocumented. I'm not going to risk having a kid there. Sorry, you, you lost out. Is that fair? No, it's not fair. But as you well know, life isn't fair. Uh, and uh, I feel bad for these people. I feel bad that they don't have the same benefit that their next door neighbor. I have people in church, couples that are virtually the same, wonderful people, great servants of the Lord, followers of Jesus Christ. One had kids here, one didn't. One gets a work card, one doesn't. It's inherently unfair in the system. Fairness is not something the president can really worry about. Uh, that's for Congress to do. And Congress, of course, doesn't really worry about fairness very much. Uh, so you've got this program that's going to cover, if we're lucky, 25% of the people that are undocumented in the United States. Now, there are a couple other things that, uh, that, that Obama announced. And I think you're going to love this because this is really good. How important is citizenship? People that apply, it's important, right? People need to apply. If they have a green card, David doesn't think this is really that important. I think it's important because it's the only way you have a voice. It's the only way you have a voice in how your government's run is become a U.S. citizen. But it's cost $680 to apply for citizenship. That's, that's a chunk of change. So they're announcing a program that they're going to reduce the fee for naturalization for the first 10,000 economically eligible people who apply. Now, the numbers on this, uh, uh, this is a, a, what they call a partial fee waiver. Um, they're going to conduct a fee study to explore it. They're going to take, going to take credit cards for payment of naturalization fee, which they haven't done before. Um, and they're going to try to make it easier to apply for citizenship going forward. So 10,000 people are going to get a half-priced uh, version of, uh, uh, of citizenship. Now, another thing that uh, came out, and that, that actually came from USCIS, the Department of Labor. Well, let's talk about the Department of Labor in the next section. Next break, when we come back here on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano 
o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio, the Immigration Era, who I think Rocky is fond of saying is the most listened to immigration podcast in the known universe. We had uh, almost 24,000 downloads last month, so we appreciate all our listeners. Hopefully, you're enjoying the show, uh, picking up a little bit of information here or there. And, of course, if you ever want to comment uh, or you want to be a guest on the show, you're welcome to email me at chuck at immigration.net. Uh, you can interview David at... Uh, David at uh, I don't know my email address dot com uh, and <laughs> America's Web Radio. David at America's Web Radio dot com uh, and of course listen to other shows that are here on here on America's Web Radio. Most of them aren't nearly as good as this one, although especially since the chicken guy left. But I think they're really great shows, and some of them um, certainly reflect interesting viewpoints. Uh, but certainly, I think if you if you expand your horizon and listen to stuff you don't normally listen to, I think you can have more open mind. Have a more open mind. And we certainly opened the mind of one of your other hosts here one day. I think he closed it thereafter, uh, Mr. Williams. But uh, uh, certainly would love to have them on again. And, of course, our friends, the, the, the birthright citizenship guys, that was one of the highlight shows, wasn't it, David? <laughs> one of the highlight shows. Um, well, let's take a look. So the next thing that Obama's administration did, again, not Obama because there's no executive order, is he created is creating a modernization of the PERM program. Now, people are going, what? What? What's the PERM program? What is that? The PERM program, David, is the program by which legal foreign nationals are uh, given the opportunity to obtain permanent residence through employment in the United States. Now, David, did you know that in order for, let's say, a foreign student who comes to our schools and graduates with a degree in biomechanical engineering, and he gets a, he gets a job at a at a uh, research uh, private research lab doing biomechanical engineering. Let's say he's going to build robots, whatever human robots or human arms. In order to get him a green card, we have to show that there are no qualified, willing, and able U.S. workers for his job. The employer has to run advertisements in the newspaper. Uh, over two Sundays. Now, Dave, when's the last time you read a Sunday paper and looked at the advertising section? Nobody looks at that stuff anymore, among other things. Uh, it is a joke of a program because here's the employer. They are advertising for a job somebody is already in and whom they have no intention of letting go. And yet they're give, committing what is really a fraud on the American worker by giving them false hope that there's actually a job. There's no job. We're going to keep this guy. 
and, and we're trying to show there are no qualified workers. But the flip side of that is very few people apply for most of these jobs. Very few people, because if somebody qualified applied, then the, 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 the perm or the labor certification is over, and we have to start again six months later. Uh, so we have to go through this process. It takes anywhere from nine months to three years, four years to get this done. It is a costly process. It's going to cost most employers six to eight, maybe $10,000, depending on where they have to put Sunday newspaper advertisements, which are, by the way, the most expensive advertisements you can, you can place in newspapers. I think they're keeping American newspapers alive in some ways on their Sunday editions. So they're going to, they started a review of the program and the regulations, which are funny because they're under regulations. It's all, it's, this is one of those areas where they have done rulemaking by FAQs. So there really are no regulations. Um, and seeing what they can do to uh, address uh, issues to make the program more efficient. What they should do is scrap the damn program because it's a piece of junk. And they actually got rid of the guy running perm for the last decade and reassigned him to somewhere else, I think some sort of job where he doesn't do anything, and brought a new person in. We'll see how that new person is uh, on the process. That's the next thing they're doing. They're going to modernize the program by which foreign workers obtain green cards in the United States. Congress will easily fix that, but they're not going to. Next, um, they're going to expand support for T visa victims of human trafficking and other crimes. You know, we give visas to people who are victims of human trafficking. So if they're brought here against their will, slavery, which we know Atlanta is really a transit, huge transit city for sex slavery and human trafficking, as well as those that, that have crimes committed against them, there's money allocated from the budget that already existed from immigration's fees uh, to support victims. You know, whether it's counseling, whether it's they need a place to be for a short period of time. I mean, it's not a lot, but it's going to be a little bit, little bit of help they're going to put in there. Now, the next big thing that is in this PERM program, David, and this is actually huge. And it's huge because it didn't exist three years ago. Three years ago, the Board of Immigration Appeals, which is the appellate court for um, the, uh, uh, the immigration system, uh, issued a decision, what they call a precedent decision, kind of like the Supreme Court issues a decision, everybody has to follow it, right? This has to be followed in the immigration sphere. It's called Matter of Arabelli and Yarabelli. It's a husband and wife uh, who had uh, been in the United States in uh, a status, uh, had been given a thing called advanced parole. Now, when I use the words advanced parole, David, you immediately think of prison, don't you? Oh, they're getting out of prison early? No, advanced parole in the immigration context is an advanced permission to return to the United States. Parole in this context is a permission to leave, much like it is in the prison parole. This is actually advanced permission to come back to the United States. So let's say I'm in the United States and I have a pending green card application. In order for me to come back, I would either need a visa or advanced parole. And what this matter of Arabelli and Arabelli said was if you leave and come back on advanced parole and you've been illegal at some point in time, you do not trigger the bars, the 10-year bar, the permanent bar, the other bars, when you come back. And you also have a legal entry to the U.S. if you didn't have one before. So if you can get advanced parole, that then gives you the right to travel, not create a bar, come back with a legal entry, how does that impact people who have DAPA? Now, I think he limited DAPA for a very specific reason. DAPA are people who have kids who were born here. That means those ki or or you permanent residents who become citizens. We know under our law the children can sponsor parents when the children are 21 years old. Okay, but 
if you came into the country illegally, you would have to leave the country for 10 years in order to get that green card through your kid. So it's a 31-year process under current law. But what Obama said under the DAPA program, and this is true for DACA as well, we will give you a travel document called an advanced parole under certain limited circumstances. Right now, it's uh, family emergency, grandma's dying, dad's dying, some really terrible thing. You have a business need to travel your company. You must go to this meeting in, 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 in Switzerland for the company, whatever. Or you have a, like a study abroad or a school reason to travel. We will give you this travel document. You will leave. You will come back in, and now you have a legal entry. Okay, So if mom, who came in illegally in 1993, has never left the country, has a kid born here in 1994, that kid today is 20. That kid's going to be 21 next year. But mom can't get a green card for that kid because mom came in illegally. But if mom gets DAPA, which she's now entitled to, then applies for the travel document, the advanced parole, goes down and sees her mom who's dying because everybody's mom, everybody's grandma's dying in Mexico right now. Goes down and sees mom, comes back. Mom now has a legal entry. The child's 21. Mom gets a green card in three or four months. I think that's why he limited this program because these are people that have an option to legally immigrate to the United States, whereas the parents of DACA recipients do not. So this, basically, everybody who gets DAPA can, within the next... 20 years and 11 months and 29 days for those kids who were born on the 19th obtain a green card. Now, do I think Congress will change the immigration laws in the next 20 years? David, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. But this is a long-term benefit for these people if the program continues. So what we're doing is we're well, when we apply, we'll apply for the, the DAPA classification and the work permit. And then for people whose kids are older, we will apply for the travel document and say, let's get you out of the country, let's get you back in, and let's apply for a green card. So now not only will they have work permits, but they will have green cards uh, at some point. I mean, obviously people that have a two-year-old are not really going to get a green card anytime soon, but this is a remarkable thing because this this fixes what it, what even the GOP guys in Congress say, like Raul Labrador, one of the Tea Party guys, is a bad law. It's the 10-year bar that creates undocumented immigration because the people stay and they don't leave. So this idea that they're going to expand advanced parole um, in the matter of Yarabelli, so it's not a departure, this is a huge, massive, big, honking deal. Huge, massive deal. Now, there's one other thing that that is done as part of the uh, uh, as part of the process for the uh, uh, Obama or Jay Johnson uh, program, uh, Obama two years ago again through the Alpano memo uh, created what is called the provisional waiver program. The law says that if you have this ten year bar, if you leave and you have this ten year bar, you can't come back. Um, the old regulations said. And, and, of course, Congress said, there's a waiver available, it's X, Y, Z, but then left it to the executive branch to create the waiver. So the old regulation said uh, you have to apply for the waiver when you leave the United States. You can't apply beforehand. Obama changed that, or, Jay, or Napolitano changed that almost two years ago, two and a half years ago. Uh, I guess it's almost two years ago, in May, May of 2013, to say you can apply for that waiver here. It's called a provisional waiver. But they announced it so that only spouses who were U.S. citizens could apply for that waiver. Now Obama's expanding that, or Jay Johnson expanding it to be, if your spouse is a permanent resident, they can also apply for you. 
Now, kids can't apply for this waiver for their parents, but spouses and parents can. So if your spouse or your parent is a permanent resident citizen, now they all can apply for this provisional waiver. So for those individuals who don't have children here, but who were sponsored perhaps by their spouse, who have a U.S. citizen spouse or a permanent resident spouse, or sponsored by their permanent resident dad, they can actually apply for the waiver and then go get the green card and come back in the country. So this that is actually another big deal, probably bigger than the expansion of DACA. My guess is there will be several hundred thousand people who will be able to take advantage of that expanded waiver in the program. Uh, unfortunately, the biggest problems in our immigration laws, David, were not fixed. Um, there's no way to fix administratively the permanent bar, the bar that happens when you come in the country illegally twice. And I know you're shocked to hear people come in the country illegally twice. Uh, but the reality is people did it for years. Now, it's much harder to do in 2014, but it was easy to do in 99, all the way to really probably to 2009. It was much easier to do. The Obama administration has done such an effective job at the border. It's very, very hard. to Not impossible, because nothing is impossible. But it's very hard to come into the country illegally today. It's very hard. Possible, but – and you know, this gets me back to this idea – that that Boehner talks about, McConnell talks about. We can't pass immigration reform until we can certify the border is secure, which is a wonderful talking point. Do you know anybody who would disagree with that? I mean, really, we, does anybody not want a secure border? Now, there are people that like open borders. They say, why are we having a border at all? Let's invite people in. Let's, it'll be good for the economy. I don't believe that, but some people do, and that's I mean, more power to them. But I believe we, should, we need to have a secure border. But can we ever have a secure border that lets nobody in the country? Is that possible? I would tell you it's not possible. It's not. So when you set as a standard an impossibility, your entire argument goes away. Uh, one of the things I posted on my Facebook page, uh, David, last week, uh, or two weeks ago when this came out, was when you give no alternate solution to the problem, you have no right to complain. You lose the right to complain when you don't have a solution. Uh, let's take our final break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the final segment on today's Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio, the most listened to podcast in the known universe. Uh, I hope that's true, David. I hope that's true. <laughs> of course, there's really no way to measure that. No. It's like saying it's the most delicious candy ever. To you, perhaps, but not to me. Uh, by the way, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, David. Um, I went down to my garden over Thanksgiving. It's not good. 
No, no, it's it's all dead. It's all dead. Although I did pull off a, a number of petrified peppers. You know, we had that hard freeze, and so those peppers kind of wilt. And so what I'm going to do is dry them out and uh, not buy seeds for my peppers next year. Hmm. Uh, we had a, a really good pepper year. So when you have a good pepper year, you want to save those seeds. Perhaps they are good the following year. Uh, but I did also break my water pump. Uh, unfortunately, I yanked the, the pull cord. I, I have a creek on my house, so I pull my water out of the creek directly. I don't. Why should I pay for water? I just pay for gas to run the pump. And the cord busted. And it was Thursday morning. You know, so they're not going to get into court on Thursday morning. And then I tried to take it apart, and I realized that my father-in-law had fixed my pump earlier this summer, and somehow it screwed the thing on. I can't figure out how to get the, get the housing off. It screwed it on. So it's like, where are the screws? What did, what did you do here? Um, so I got to take literally the entire housing of the entire pump apart wow. to then to then get to the screws that, that take off the pull cord to then replace the pull cord. Uh, uh, so my, my strawberries in my greenhouse have not been watered since August. I think they may be dead. Uh, although good, good news is I'm, I am replacing the plastic on my greenhouse this year because it's now ripped on the top. I think greenhouse plastic only lasts about four or five years. So it's been about five years for my greenhouse plastic. Um, but it's uh, it's been an interesting uh, garden year. It was a good garden year, and I'm looking forward to it. In fact, you know what came in the mail yesterday? I was so excited. Your heirloom seed. My heirloom seed catalog. Yeah. The catalog, Baker Creek. Uh, uh, now, do you buy, where do you get your seeds from? Do you, this is, you know, this is kind of the garden. You just, you just get them at Home Depot or wherever. Yeah. I like getting the heirloom seeds um, hey, yeah, from people I, that are sustainable. I do uh, Bonnie plants as well. Bonnie's are good. Bonnie's uh, are good plants. Uh, uh, they are also an advertiser on America's Web. Are they really? Yeah. Are they giving discounts if you listen to the show? I, I, <laughs> no, I do we have a gardening hour on America's Web Radio, David? We have two. When is it? Uh, we have the America's Homegrown Veggies at uh, 10 o'clock on Saturday morning uh-huh. and the Master Gardener Hour at 11. You know, Saturday the problem morning. is, David, on those times, I'm either golfing or I'm in the garden. Yeah, well, you can. I need, to, I need, to, there, I need to get the podcast for those. And they yeah. should invite me as a guest one day, don't you think? I mean, we, we're going to want I know the people well. You know them well? I think you'd invite, you know, let's bring a lawyer on and talk about gardening. Uh, I'm certainly not a master gardener, by the way. My uh, my vegetable gardening will be blowtorching this weekend. Oh, I love the blowtorch. Uh, I'm gonna. I can't do it until I get my pump fixed, though. Just in case. <laughs> just in case. Just in case. I gotta have my blowtorch work. I gotta have my yeah. my water working at the same time. Yeah, but I, you know, I've got the little. A lot turned to weeds inside the garden. They have, well, that's just the nature. I mean, after August, and if you're not really a fall gardener, yeah. it's just, you know, the grass will come in, the weeds will come in, and that's kind of where it so is. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow torch it. Well, that's really the only way to really get rid of the seeds that have now fallen on the ground is to get in there and just toast them up. I love the sound. And it just yeah. makes you want to go and have a, have a, have a big the orbit, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll have an orbit. Um, so that's enough of the gardening stuff. But, I, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about the garden come here. In January when I get my seat order done and uh, get my get my stuff in, I did. I was cleaning out my office at home the other day on Saturday, and I found four boxes of potatoes I never planted. <laughs> <laughs> they were all coming up through the box. Oops, forgot to put those in the ground. But we had a good potato year too. Uh, but this final thing on Obama, uh, remembering that there is no executive order. So what happens? Are they going to sue him? First of all, they have to find somebody stupid enough to do that. They did find somebody stupid enough on, on the health care thing. I thought it was hilarious. They've been wanting to sue Obama on the health care thing. And the first two lawyer for, law firms they hired stepped out and said, yeah, there's nothing here. And then finally they got some law professor from Pennsylvania somewhere, Temple or someplace like that. Oh, I'll sue him. You know, you're a reasoning law professor. 
I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> this is a bad case. And I did see our friends at the Center for Immigration Studies managed to find a law professor also in Pennsylvania, must be the home of the cookies over there, um, that uh, said Obama's action is unconstitutional. Well, actually, one is, one is not Obama's action. It's Jay Johnson's action as the Secretary of Homeland Security. And two, you're just wrong. So you have one law professor saying it's unconstitutional, and you have 135 other law professors, including me, saying absolutely constitutional, who were then confirmed by the last four general counsels of the Immigration Service. So no, this is, if both Republican and Democrat administrations, no, this is pretty much, this is legal. This is, he can do this. He can absolutely do this. So I think uh, at the end of the day, we've got um, uh, no chance that they're going to sue. And I'll take an example, the DACA lawsuit. This lawyer on, on Fox News wrote an article about this. Uh, for Hey, we almost, we almost won that DACA lawsuit saying it was unconstitutional. You know the difference between almost and actually <laughs> is everything. Uh, the reality is you can't win that lawsuit because you can't find a plaintiff who can bring it. There's no jurisdiction. You'd have to find somebody who's harmed by it, and you can't. But even if you could, the law itself is on the side of the government, is on the side of the executive branch. If you don't want the executive branch exercising discretionary authority in the enforcement of laws, then you need to change the law. This, there is no difference in what Obama's doing than what prosecutors in Georgia do every single day. You know, I'd be outraged to find that the, the, that the attorney for the city of Sandy Springs is not collecting the maximum fine on every ticket issued by the police of Sandy Springs. That's outrageous, David. They are, these people should be serving time in jail for speeding, for passing through red light, for making an illegal U-turn. They should be in jail. They should be paying massive fines. And yet the attorney lets them slide. What a scumbag. What a terrible human being. Oh, oh. That's our system of justice, you say? Yes, because we don't have jails sufficient to put everybody who makes illegal U-turn in. Uh, we want to settle cases quickly. Our entire justice system is based on not going to trial. So not going to trial means what? Somebody has to get something they would not normally get to say, I'm better off going to trial. You know, why you always see these court cases like with Nancy Grace or trying somebody for murder? Why? Because there's no other deal. The deal they've offered is simply no better than going to trial, so why not go to trial? There are very few people in America, David, who go to trial believing they're innocent. They go to trial thinking they're just going to get a better deal at the end of the day. You know, even a lot of innocent people plead guilty because they don't want to run, run the risk of doing jail time for something they know they didn't do. But if they can get out by pleading guilty and paying a fine or having probation, they just do it. It happens all the time. That's just our system of justice. How is this any different? It's not. It's just saying, look, we're just not going to this particular law. We're not going to force police officers. You get you get caught speeding. Well, you get a ticket when you're going 60, 66 on four hundred. No, why not? You broke the law. You went 66 and 65. It's broken. Why did you do that? Well, first of all, traffic would come to a standstill if you started doing that because nobody would even get close to 65 anymore, uh, which we all know is a very safe speed on, on, on 400. Second, they don't have the time or the resources to enforce every law on the book. No police officer, no prosecutor enforces every law on the book. It's not law and order. You know, it's not it's not Jack uh, Jack the prosecutor who looks up every possible law, charge him with this, 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 and this, and we'll see what they plead guilty to. It just doesn't happen in real life.
just doesn't happen in real life. Um, so at the end of the day, David, I applaud the Obama administration for taking this step, a step which I believe they were forced into not only by Boehner's inability to control the tail that wags that dog in the house, but also by real American heroes, the dreamer kids, who demanded that Obama do something, that protested all his events, that scream at him when he's speaking, don't deport my mother. And he has he was literally forced to respond by activists. It wasn't people like the lawyers going in having a logical argument. Oh, Barack, buddy, I, I believe that a proper interpretation is law. No, no. He was forced into this by, by people who caused him to move his hand. The activists, so to speak, the ones that wouldn't take no for an answer. I remember going back, this has got to be about eight years ago. I was in Washington, D.C. In, in May, um, uh, in March, for a meeting. And in a hotel that we were in, having our immigration lawyers meeting, there was a very small group of dreamers that were meeting. I think it was one of their first organizing meetings for dreamers. This is before it really this became possible to have Doc and any of that. And I initially thought, these kids have no, no hope. They have no, I mean, it's not, they got to get Congress, and it's not going to happen. And yet, here we are eight years later. Many of them have work permits. Many of them are going to go to college. Many of them are actively involved in the community. And they have seen that activism, it's not just, you know, that liberals have activism, David. To Tea Party, they're just activists. How are they, how are they not community organizers compared to Obama? They're also community. They're just organizing a different community. So... The fact that they were able to mobilize this and stick it in the president's face is really the real reason why Obama did this. It wasn't because he had a compelling moral need. I, I, I just don't believe that about the man. I don't think he really cares very much about the issue. Uh, but I think he felt that he was embarrassed. And I do think he was embarrassed in allowing the Democrats uh, to basically talk him into delaying the action from September. If he had done this in September... Would the Democrats have lost any worse than they did? Nope. They wouldn't have. They absolutely wouldn't have. Uh, and has Obama done a good job explaining this executive exaction, this stuff? No, he does a terrible job, as he does all the time. He does a terrible job explaining why he does good things, uh, which is why he doesn't get credit for doing any good things, because he's terrible at explaining why it's good. Um, and it leads to surrogates, like his press secretary, who are also terrible at explaining why it's a good thing. Um at the end of the day, I'm happy. I'm happy for the people that get the benefit from this. I'm happy for the folks that will be able to change their lives because of it. Um, I'm sad that it's not bigger, and I'm really sad that Congress has abandoned leadership on so many issues, but including this. So I'll sign off for this week. Hopefully Rocky will be back next week. won't be in court. On the Immigration on America's Web Radio, again, you can reach out to us at david at americaswebradio.com or chuck at immigration.net. We'd love to hear from you and love to have you on the show. You're listening to americaswebradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.